Hey guys, back with another episode of TPA Tidbits. My name is Melissa Torito. And I am Maggie Robinson. Maggie is our newest co-host to the podcast. Welcome, Maggie. Hi. You just can't do it without me, can you? <laughs> I just can't. So, for our five listeners of this podcast, Maggie is the co-host of Louisiana Ladies, which is our uh, podcast, um, other podcast that we host geared towards uh, mainly female entrepreneurs, but all kinds of entrepreneurs, businesswomen, um, nonprofits, authors, you know, we, we, we have a variety of uh, guests on there. But TPA Tidbits is our more serious podcast about what Maggie and I do on a daily basis. And we love having guests on. And we have a guest on today. It is Andy Bush. Hello, everybody. And Andy is with Horizon Financial Group mm-hmm. in Baton Rouge. And Andy and I have known each other for a long time. <laughs> yeah. Over 10 years. Over 10 years. Over 10 years. And so, Andy, what is your day job? My day job is I'm a financial advisor, which a lot of people say that. Um, what I what I mainly concentrate in are retirement plans. Um, we manage and work with over 75 different um, companies and their, uh, their corporate sponsored retirement plans. Uh, but also work with individuals and in helping them uh, invest money, you know, gain confidence about their situation, uh, go through a financial planning process um, that we call the confident wealth experience. And um, and so so that's that's my day job. That's your day job. Okay. What are, what are your hobbies? Ooh, great question. Mm-hmm. Um Wow, that's a great question. I would say um, I, I like I like uh, home projects. Um, some DIY stuff. Some DIY stuff. Uh, I built a, um, a shop on the back of my house that uh, extended our roof line and all that um, a couple of years back. That's a, about a thirty by fifteen size shop with loft in it and blah blah blah. Um, and that to me was very therapeutic. It would drive some people bonkers, but to me it was very therapeutic because I work alone and, um, in doing that. And I actually, for whatever reason, I've come to find out I enjoy really, you know, having alone time Mm -hmm. like that. So where I can be a little creative, challenged a little bit, but then nobody's over my shoulder telling me, Hey, you need to do it this way. Yes, I agree with that. I think that in any profession, especially one like yours and even one like ours, where we are working with the public, yeah, um, and we have great clients, yeah, but yep. you're still making decisions, you know, um, consulting with people. That alone time is great. So oh, I, um, I have figured out that I really like just working out by myself. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Everybody tells me, but you miss the social aspect of it. I'm like, no, I'm social from about eight to six every day. I'm okay with being not social at six 30 in the morning. That's exactly (laughs) right. Yep. Yeah. So I, I, I go, uh, we live by Highland Road Park and uh, I walk in the park alone often and, um, don't necessarily listen to any podcast or books or anything or music or anything. I'm just walking and thinking. Yeah. That's very, um, I was going to say restorative, but, you know, reflective. Pastoral. Something. I don't know. You know, I get, I'm not very zen most days. Uh, okay. So I guess just, you know, kind of, I, I say this to a lot of the financial advisors that we end up talking to, but you, we got the situation right now in Ukraine. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
So I guess just a very general overview. I mean, how does something like that, I don't expect you to predict the market, but yeah. how and why does something like that affect the market? Kind of similar to, you know, when COVID happened mm-hmm. and it was, woo. So I guess just educating the listeners is why does that? Yeah. Well, that? what people may not think about in their own investing is, um, is, is people react to uncertainty in, in bad ways, usually. You know, their behavior is... There's this uncertainty out there, and this is the investing world. There's a bit of uncertainty out there, and ad, uh, advisors and market analysts and, and uh, professional investors and, and individual investors are all trying to figure out how is that uncertainty going to affect the economy three months down the road, six months down the road, two years, a year or two years down the road, because if it affects the economy negatively and they believe it will, then there's going to be a lot of volatility on the downside out of this, this fear of the economy slowing down. Uh, that's what happened with COVID. And it, it was a massive downturn in a very short period of time um, when, when everyone would start to get locked in and, and, uh, and shut into their houses, working remotely and all that kind of stuff. Um, with this year, uh, and by the way, there was a huge recovery in during the 2020. If you look at 2019, 2020, 2021, we've had some very good up years mm-hmm. in the market. And there's reason for it being as positive as it has been. A little bit of the, the, the government stimulating the economy with uh, the Fed with some injections of, of money. Uh, the government doing stimulus plans and things like that, which have been great because they're doing it at this lower level to spenders. Well, as long as people are spending money, that keeps the economy going. Um, with this year, part of the issue is the Fed n- no longer buying bonds, but starting to raise rates and stop their stimulus program. Um and then inflation's kind of high, you know. You uh, kind of you 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 may have you may have experienced that with a used car, right, or a new car, used car. Or uh, ordering food from waiter, or <laughs> or going to Chick Fil A. Yeah, yeah. You know? It's it's funny because prior to this year, if you would have looked back ten years, the two biggest areas of that had the highest inflation were education and medical expenses. This year, those two are the smallest. Mm, interesting. Uh, food, uh, you know, whether it's beef or fish or whatever, the any of the meats are up uh, a decent amount, like I want to say 13 or so percent. Um, dairy is up a little, you know, right around there, 10 or 12 percent. Um, but then if you look at used cars up 40 percent, gasoline, of course, we're all experiencing that is up over 50 percent now. Um, new cars are up somewhere in the high teens percentage wise. And so you're starting to see these things happen. Well, the Fed is raising rates. And so all of that is creating this uncertainty where investors are like, I don't know if I'm cool with this. Mm -hmm. Right. And they're starting to pull back. And when, when the economy gets crazy, people get protective of their money. Mm -hmm. When the economy is going well, they let it rip. Well, just because we're having inflation, the Fed's moving interest rates up, and there's this geopolitical conflict across the pond, does not necessarily mean that our economy's bad. 
I mean, unemployment's pretty low, historically low. Which, I don't understand that. Yeah. I'm confused about that because I feel like you, nobody's working. It's it's a it's a it's a mixed bag there because because there it, unemployment is low. There are a good number of people that are not working. Um, there's a lot of people working remotely, and so it's just a it's this different uh, feel. Um, um, and and I don't know the exact answer there of what why you know it seems the way it is, but I do know that uh, all the employers that I speak with. They're having a hard time finding the right people. Yeah, maybe that's what it is. Um, they can find people, but they're just not necessarily greatly qualified or they lack some characteristics that they would really want to employ and so uh, of a person they want to employ. And so uh, um, um, housing starts are at all-time highs, even though lumber is is very inflated and, 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 um, and a lot of materials are very inflated. Um, the medical side, by the way, is very low. It's in the it's in the low single digits. It's like three to five percent mm. for the most part, and so that's just kind of weird and unique. Um, that it's almost this total opposite of what has been happening in the last ten or twenty years, really. That's interesting. Yeah. So anyway, it's it's this uncertainty, and and what we talk about a lot is confidence. You know, people when they are confident about the economy, when they're confident about the stock market and how it's reacting to the economy, they're, they're good. They're all in. They're wanting to buy more. And, and uh, investing can be very emotional, you know, um, if you, particularly if you're watching it every single day. When you see the market down 2% in a day, that's a big move, mm-hmm. you know, and, it's, and that's fairly rare and people get scared, you know. And instead of kind of having this confidence of, pulling themselves out of the weeds of this moment and seeing further down the line, you know, and and seeing, okay, well, is that going to be the same in five years, 10 years or 20 years until I'm retired and in retirement and I need some income? It probably is going to be, uh, you know, things are going to be a little higher by then. Yeah. And I feel like, you know, if you look at charts and y'all shown some charts and webinars and stuff. I mean, at the end of, you know, over a long period of time, it ends up, I don't want to say the word always, but typically you're up, right? Yeah, up and and onward to the right. I do, I'm not sure if you can answer this particular question, but I would think at some point as somebody is nearing retirement, that might be when they need to look at their overall investments and make sure that there's not a lot of, um, uh, to the extent that they can. Yeah, exposure to risky assets. Yeah. So that's very true. Uh, you know, the thing we always look at is uh, what are your needs? You know, what are the expenses of your needs? And granted, with with inflation a little higher now, and maybe it will be in for the the foreseeable future, um, those expenses are changing, right? You and we typically like to to um, uh, uh, take into consideration what inflation is. So what are your expenses for your needs, right? Uh, Food on the table, gas in the car, insurance paid, lights paid, all those things that you need. Uh, Make sure that you've got some sort of guaranteed income to pay for those things. Mm -hmm. So Social Security is part of that. Maybe you have a pension that's going to pay out for the rest of your life. That's part of that. And then, you know, maybe some other source of uh, guaranteed income. The rest of the stuff is what we call the lanyard money, and that's for the trips or, you know, going out to eat or the extra, extra things in life. 
uh, paying for grandchildren's things, you know, or, or travel, you know, traveling to see them or whatever. Um, those things can still have some exposure to the market because nobody knows when the last grain of sand is going through their hourglass, right? When they're going to take their last breath, it may be 20 years out of retirement. It may be five, it may be 30. You just don't know. And so if it, if I always tell people, if, you know, planning for the things that go right in your life is a luxury you have once you plan for the things that can go wrong. So what if you take your last breath five years out of retirement? Well, you want to enjoy as much of your life as possible. And so there's the, the fulfillment factor. But what if you're still breathing at 95? How are you going to pay for stuff? Yeah. You know, do you have that covered, including the thought of what inflation might be? you know, along that path. And so, um, so all that kind of goes in together. It's not to totally abandon. I tell people all the time when I'm meeting in groups or individually, uh, on retirement plans is the day you retire, you're not cashing everything in and putting it in a bank account. That'd be the worst thing you could do. Because if you do live 20 years, 25 years into retirement, your purchasing power is going to be etched away by inflation. All right. And, you know, look at, uh, I got a question for you. When you were in high school, how much did a movie cost? I don't know. To remember. go to a movie? Like four bucks. Okay. Maybe four more, bucks. Maybe a little bit more than that. Yeah. Yeah. And what are they now? Maybe 10, something like 11, that. something like that. I mean, and so the, the price of a, going to a movie theater has gone up. The price of vehicles, the price of homes, the price of food, all that stuff has gone up over, lengthier periods of time not that it's been a long time since you were in high school you're so young has not you know they must make our 20 year reunion in covid it's cool that's right so uh but but that's what you have to think about is is what a dollar will buy you today which isn't much one dollar bill won't buy you much um you know, in, in 10 years or 20 years, it's going to be even less. So that's why you don't put everything in cash when you retire. You have some portion, and usually it's, you know, maybe 30 to 40%. Maybe, maybe I should say maybe 20 to 40%, maybe fairer, um, uh, that might be exposed to stocks. Because over those long periods of time, stocks are really the only thing historically that have outpaced inflation continually. So I'm going to kind of pivot just a little bit because okay. that's very good information. Yeah. I do think that, and I'm guilty of this, okay? But I would say that if I had to give a piece of advice from a non-financial advisor, it is not to put your head in the sand and never look at your investments and yeah. your financial planning. I would say at a minimum for anyone of any age, because I do feel like sometimes younger professionals are kind of like, well, I don't need to do that. I'm still trying to pay off student loans. Well, this is all true, right? But I probably started a little bit later than what I should have, just being that I was in a, a teacher and just, mm-hmm. you know, I wasn't super educated at that particular point. Um, nobody's fault. But I just think at a minimum, once a year, sit down yeah. with a financial advisor, financial planner, whatever, you, how, whatever those, somebody that you trust uh, to go over, a plan of action for the next 12 months and what are your goals and what are you trying to get to, right? Yeah. And I will say that I also think that a good financial advisor or financial planner will listen to what you're trying to accomplish yeah. and not necessarily do what they think is best. 
No, absolutely. I mean, it really starts with the client. Yeah. You know, I mean, what's important is to understand uh, their, in, in not so many ways or words, is their relationship with money mm-hmm. because everybody has a different background, what their goals and aspirations are. Even if it seems like it's not a financial goal or aspiration, at the end of the day, pretty much anything you want to aspire to is probably going to take some money of mm-hmm. some sort. And so it's kind of helping be a thinking partner for them in that sense of uh, what do you want to accomplish? What does it look like for you if we go out three years from today and look back to this meeting and you thought of all that time that has expired, you know, what has to have happened for you in order for you to feel confident, you know, to feel good about your situation? Like I've made some progress, you know. Um, in my life. And, and those things that come out are typically going to be uh, things that, that worry them, that, hey, today I'm worried or concerned about this. It's maybe an issue, maybe a, a fault of mine or whatever. And in three years, I don't want to have that anymore. All right. Uh, or, you know, and, and so that's kind of a fear, right? And so uh, I talked earlier about we're emotional critters and, and, uh, and, and part of that is, okay, well, what fears do you have out there that we can take care of? And then once those are cleared up, you know, what things, what, what opportunities are out there for you that we can take care of, um, that you can take advantage of, right? And so maybe if you clear this thing up, it opens the door for this, you know, this other thing. And so you want to take advantage of it. You want to, um, try to accomplish that. And then what are you doing now that you want to continue to do well in the future? What are you doing well now? What are you doing, uh, very good with your, uh, yourself, the way you, uh, um, behave, you know, that you can continue to do good in the future. And that's a strength. And so really it's the fear is the first part the greed, not the bad greed, but the good greed, the, the interest and the, those kinds of things, and then the confidence, right? And so if we can ask you those questions and get good responses about, hey, if we're meeting in three years, what does that look like? You know, what things have to have happened for you to feel like you make great progress? Um, what comes out of that are great conversations. Um, some have been uh, 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 mothers of children that, you know, she's worried about the way her money may go if something happened to her in the next three years to her three kids. And she feels like, well, this one's kind of already unfairly taken part of their, quote, inheritance mm-hmm. where these two haven't, mm-hmm. you know, and I don't want this one to get actual a third of what I have left because they've kind of already taken theirs. Mm-hmm. And so those kinds of conversations, well, those are some big worries, right, and concerns. Uh, or it could be, you know, for folks that are younger, it might be, you know, we live in this house and we're expecting and we'd really like a bigger place, you know, because we expect to even have another kid on the way. And so what does that look like? So all of those things, even though you are starting with the, the, the client and what their fears, goals, aspirations, and where we can help them build more confidence, um, they're going to probably take money. You know, and so it's kind of helping them think through, you know, what's that look like? And then, you know, furthermore, you know, as we get to that 
three-year mark, and, and really every year, you're kind of asking that similar question. You know, what's it look like three years for you? Because things change. Yeah. There used to be a stat that said people spend more time planning a vacation than they do planning for financial yeah. matters in their lives. Well, and I think there's just a certain, and so like unexpected things come up mm-hmm. all the time, right? So, I mean, that could be something like um, you have an issue with your house that mm-hmm. has to get fixed. Plumbing, foundation, whatever it may be, that just becomes. Or a like, storm or whatever. Right. Yeah. And, yeah. Or, you know, like a snowstorm or something like that. Something <laughs> random. Um, but yeah, health sure. too. I mean, I feel mm-hmm. like. You know, and especially the older I get, just the more it's kind of like I think about my overall health and that, you know, at any given moment, I could have something happen. Mm-hmm. I don't want it to happen. Right. That really changes the trajectory of what initially I've been thinking, you know. And so yeah. I think just that's, that's all kind of negative, but there's a certain peace of mind of planning for that. Yeah. Uh, and knowing that you have somebody else watching over you. I think some people enjoy doing the financial planning themselves. Yeah. I do not. Yeah. Right, uh, right, I don't right. in, even enjoy doing my own tax return, you know? <laughs> um, so I think that it's very valuable and beneficial. So that's kind of, you know, y'all's individual, um, side per se, as yeah, yeah, said, yeah. right? Individual services. So, in terms of serving as a financial advisor, you know, the capacity that you and your brother, Bill, who mm-hmm. is not a twin, just your brother. Right, right They look right. alike. You know, that you guys do. Uh, you know, one of the questions that we get a lot is TPAs. Um, it's from a client or, you know, somebody setting up for K plan is, okay, well, you know, why do we need a financial advisor? Yeah. I can sit here and go on all day about why I think somebody needs a financial advisor, but I guess whenever you're approached with that, why do you feel like, you know, how is your role just so important and valuable to the client? Because it truly is. I think sometimes people have a hard time under I say compliance, yeah. they, people get freaked out, right? Right. I say Department of Labor, IRS, oh, okay, well, we'll just pay you, Melissa. Yeah, but, right, right, right. you know, I think, I, I will say, I feel like people have difference, differing, differing opinions on financial advisors and the services that they can provide. So for an employer, especially for a business owner, why do they need to have a financial advisor on their retirement plan? Yeah, I think, firstly, I think it it, uh, it speaks to how they've experienced a financial advisor in the past, maybe, or either personally or, you know, uh, maybe one-off of how somebody may have treated a, a, a spouse or parent or somebody like that. And I think it's uh, it's uh, what kind of level of engagement they expect. Um, I think there's a good number of financial advisors that do retirement plans, and I say do by being the advisor on a plan, that don't put a lot of effort into it. And, and I think for a, a plan sponsor, what they hopefully will see and what we offer is is a really tight engagement. You know, we kind of see ourselves as a little boutiqueish in the sense that we do have a, a high level of, uh, of personal engagement, of uh, hand-holding, you know, that kind of a thing. But what we offer is uh, kind of going back to that confidence theme and going back to the fear and the greed is we offer, um, you know, take it. There's, there's a lot of unknowns in retirement plans. It, it's, it's, uh, as particularly with uh, more and more litigation around them, um, mainly around fiduciary duties, um, a lot of that surrounding the fund side or the expense side, the re- you know reasonable expense side. How do you know it's reasonable? Well, we help kind of guard that um, by doing annual plan reviews. Um, are you educating your people? A lot of people say, well, there's a website that does that. You know, well, maybe doing something a little more proactive 
which is what we offer and we reach out to our plan sponsors to do, is to get out there at least, you know, depending on the, the company, you know, uh, at least once a year, you know, to be at, in, minimum. at a minimum, to be in front of their folks. There are some uh, plans that they fully engage us and support us and promote us to come out once a quarter and do, you know, uh, kind of lunch and learn type of uh, situations where we're talking, kind of like what you asked earlier about, hey, give us a little recap of the market. What's going on? Um, we do a little bit of that, but then talk about some uh, retirement savings, retirement uh, thinking uh, topic. And so um, one of them we've done more recently is, hey, when do you take Social Security? Mm-hmm. Well, that's a, that's a very personal question because everybody's situation is different. I mean, if everybody's situation was the same, you would ideally say, well, take it at 70. You know, that's when you get the biggest benefit. Mm -hmm. And that's also, by the way, expecting that you're going to live well into your 80s, you know, or something like that. Well, not everybody's in that boat, you know. And so so you think about those things. Um, I think, you know, it's it's kind of, it's a few things. Uh, a financial advisor is going to oversee your, typically go and oversee your funds. They're going to oversee the functionality along with the TPA, the functionality of your um, of your plan. Is this thing working the way you envisioned it? Did you actually envision how it might work? Yeah. You know, because I think some people set up a plan just saying, hey, uh, I know that the competition offers one, so we need to offer one. Mm-hmm. And they don't really think about what do we really want to do with it. Um, and that's okay, by the way, but it's just helping them think through what's the purpose of this thing and how can we make it as good as possible. Uh, I think bringing some of that insight of what are the industry trends, um, uh, we've got great reports on, you know, from engineering to banking, to healthcare, to every little industry where I can flip through and say, you know, uh, this percentage based on your size of plan, this percentage of plan sponsors offer loans or this percentage of people do auto enrollment, you know, companies out there. And I think what that gives is a little bit of insight into uh, we want our plan to be the most competitive it can be. And it's not right now based on the industries. Yeah. You know, and I do feel like a lot of those plan provisions are changing. Absolutely. Yeah. 10 years ago, it was like every plan I started up, it was like one year of service, age 21 for anybody to participate. Yeah. Yeah. We are rarely doing that, that anymore, anymore, you know, yeah. or it's waving everybody, you know, if you set it up, wave, everybody's eligible that's here. Mm-hmm. New people might have to wait, but it has become... I was talking to somebody the other day, and he was like, my main goal for this is not necessarily for me as the business owner. It is to recruit and retain talent. Yeah. And I I don't know if maybe I'm just hearing that more. I yeah. just feel like, I, and possibly because it's very competitive out there in the labor yeah. force. Um, so one other thing, though, I, I want to point out in terms of a financial advisor on a plan is, as a business owner, if you don't have a financial advisor on the plan, then you as the business owner are responsible for choosing the funds. Mm-hmm. Your participants don't really have anybody to go ask. Right. Right. And and, even and so if, admin gets it a lot. Right. And then they get asked about 
funds that like uh just warning yeah if you are not a financial advisor and licensed you and not licensed you should not be telling anyone how yeah. to invest their money you know it's a, and, and if yeah. it provides a level of protection now mm-hmm. the owner is always going to be responsible because they're Ultimately, the ones that hired yeah, yeah. you know that hired kind of like us yeah. you know and serving in that fiduciary capacity other thing that i always talk about a lot do you know what i'm about to say no okay <laughs> You will whenever I start saying it. Most most 401k plans have a financial advisor in some capacity. The advisor might not be local. Mm-hmm. It might be with the record keeper. Mm-hmm. And at some particular point, somebody is getting paid to do something. Yeah. And if they are not doing that something, then it is a, what is it, Andy? Prohibitive transaction. <laughs> Is that right? Prohibited transaction. I always come out the gate sometimes at, at new prospects. They're like, I don't know who my financial advisor is. I'm like, well, somebody's getting paid. Okay. Yeah. So they're like, okay, that's aggressive, Melissa. But I do think that, you know, you know, one of the things that you guys do, um, and, and I'm not saying that other financial advisors don't do that. All right? right. That's my caveat here. But you make sure to sit down with the client at least once a year, the yep. fiduciaries of the plan, and go over. You'll have an annual plan review report, mm-hmm. you know, go over it. Answer. There's always questions that come up. Yep. Yeah. 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 Because they might be like, I don't know of any questions. When we sit down, 45 minutes later, they're like, Okay, well, you know, they always end up asking questions. Yeah, and I think it's 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 opening the door for that. You know, opening the door for the conversation, and and in the conversation, some of it is asking questions. You know, but then that that will reveal what's really on their mind because I, I find a lot of business owners are. so focused on their business that this plan is in the background Mm -hmm. and they don't think about it until they're actually in front of you. And so, um, or until something happens, something happens. Right. Yeah, that's right. It's kind of like cybersecurity. You're kind of like, Oh, we're good until you get hacked. And then you're like, Oh yeah, I probably shouldn't have had that same password for all of my accounts. Yeah. I can't tell you over the 20 some odd years I've been doing this, how many times I've had the question a question come from a plan sponsor from a an employee who's I wouldn't say disgruntled but they're questioning mm-hmm. why are we doing this or why is this you know and I'm answering that for the plan sponsor because plan sponsor has no idea they don't and and, and no offense to any plan sponsor out there that does have an well, idea well if they did have an idea they'd be a financial advisor and and they also wouldn't ask me right but, <laughs> but uh but I do find that um that there's there is this layer of of protection, yes. this this guardianship of the plan sponsor, to make sure that they're protected. Uh, we do take on some fiduciary responsibility on the on the investment side that that doesn't abdicate that that uh, uh, plan sponsor from their duty, but it, uh, it it you know it somewhat alleviates it because we are proactive. And so, so uh, one thing I would say is that when you ask that question of what's the benefit of having a financial advisor, I think a lot of it is just the diligence, uh, the diligence to make sure we meet once, at least once a year, the diligence to make sure we're reviewing the funds probably at least a couple times a year, if not quarterly. Uh, quarterly to me seems to be a little too much. Yeah. We, I, I look at them, but really you're not making a change just because it had a bad quarter, right. you're making a change if it had a bad streak of several quarters. And so that's what we're responsible for, making sure that that fund measures up well to its peer group. 
and continues to. Um, and so it's and the, and it's the diligence to educate, you know, because again, like I said, ninety nine percent of their time is focused on um, point nine, by the way, ninety nine point nine is focused on their running their company yes. and making profit, and you know, and expanding their networks and their offers and everything, and so they need somebody on their team to make sure they're reviewing the plan to make sure they're reviewing their other benefits as well and that doesn't just happen it's it's got to take somebody who's proactive it takes effort it takes effort it takes effort and and, and as a business owner something's always going to come up yeah and by the way i mean I, i'm a business yes. owner and and we actually have that conversation where we're like uh, hey, we need to have everybody in the room for lunch. We'll buy lunch, everybody in our office, and just have an update of the plan. Okay, and so we have something that we hand out, and you guys have gotten it mm-hmm. before that says, or you've seen it before, says, what's the plan stand? And it just has the, the general features of the plan. What's the eligibility? How often can you change your funds? How often can you change your deferral percentage? Uh, you know, when are those uh, opportunities? Just things like ask, do you offer loans? Because people forget, People right? forget. People and have so amnesia. we make sure we hand that out to every person, you know, in the room. Yeah, and I do think, and I tell business owners this too, and again, it goes back to even the individual side of things. Peace of mind is priceless mm-hmm. to me. Yeah. And so it's kind of like, as a business owner, well, why do you have an attorney? In case shit hits the fan, right? Yeah, right. So, you know, I don't think you ever want something to happen where you're like, nobody ever wants to look back and be like, I wish I would have done that. Right? Yeah, right, right. Kind of like we had this, we saw this meme one time and it was like, or this little cartoon thing and it said, man, I wish I would have. What it was like, I wish I would have not saved for retirement, said no one ever. Yeah, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, I don't think yeah, anybody yeah. ever gets to retirement. Well, maybe so. And they're like, man, I got a whole bunch of money in retirement. That really sucks, you yeah. know? So um, I think that it's uh, it's uh, it's a very, it's it's very valuable. Um, and you guys serve in a capacity that clearly we cannot serve in, nor nor do I want to. Yeah, and likewise. I mean, on the on the administration side, you know, I, I, I don't know all the rules, and I rely on you an awful lot. For um, hey, this plan sponsor asked about this. Is this how this works? And I feel like what me and Maggie do is like fifty percent of the time the question appears to be easy. Yeah, and then when we go to answer it, it's, it's not easy, complex, right, Maggie? Yeah, no, it's challenging. Yeah, yeah. It is. That's why we need everybody. Yeah, um, to, to be specialized in their own roles and yeah, yeah. And I put it like this to a lot of clients too because you know we've gone into to prospects and I've gone in with other, you know, uh, potential advisors or prospects and the plan's bundled, right? It's all Mm -hmm. one person's doing everything. And it's like, oh, well, you know, it just seems confusing to have all these parties. Now, it, again, we are not actually saving lives, but we are probably making lives better. But I mean, like, if you need to have several surgeries on different parts of your body, are you just going to go... Be like, oh, I don't really want to have to deal with three different doctors because that's yeah. inconvenient. No, you're not going to do that. You're not going to have just say fix me. Yeah, you're yeah. not probably not going to have a brain surgeon operate on your heart and vice versa. Right, you know, right, I mean, right. that's just yeah. not what you're going to do. So to me, I'm like, it's not actually confusing. It yeah. just it's more of an enhancement, right? Specialized field that all of us end up, you know. Doing well, yeah, I mean, a, a, a plan sponsor is not going to just a CPA to do their right. the reporting on their retirement plan. You know, they're wanting to go to a specialist for that, who uh, like yourself. 
Yes. That you're younger. We are damn a, good. I am a CPA, TPA. That's or right. TPA, CPA. And likewise, on the advisor side, you know, I think in the past, it's been the golf buddy who's an advisor. And and there's, there's nothing 100% wrong with that. You know, you, you can have that person. But is that person going to help really push your plan to become a better plan? Is it going to, is it going to do the due diligence and, and, and be proactive with you and your participants? And usually that's the answer is no, they're not. They're a good buddy that you're going to see on the golf course or whatever, what, you know, whatever your vice is, whether it's golf or tennis or drinking or whatever, eating, um, sailing, whatever. Yes. It could be anything. <laughs> Um, fishing, fishing, we can we can go on. LSU games, on. okay. That's right. So, but uh, but you want to make sure that the person's proficient. So, like like our staff, our team, you know, we've got uh, we've got some folks that have specific designations that you know uh, that are are specific to retirement plans, and it's it's that hey, we've done this extra education, and we continually do education. I'm part of a, a organization called. National Association of Plan Advisors, as lame as that sounds, it can be fun. And, Napa. Uh, yeah, Napa, uh, because most people say, oh, Napa, wow, how much wine do y'all drink? <laughs> well, actually, I do drink a lot of wine yeah. while I'm there. Well, I mean, I'm part of ASPA. That's a, at least Napa has a good acronym. Yours sounds like a like a, a like breathing disorder. <laughs> Sometimes that happens at the conference. Like, right. I hear something, and I'm like, whoops. Okay, you know. So. Yeah, and then I'm, I'm uh, the co-chair, so Satera Financial Group. It owns different sleeves of broker-dealers, and this is just kind of getting into the weeds a little bit, but our broker-dealer, Satera Advisors, well, Satera Financial Group represents, you know, 8,800 advisors throughout the nation, and I'm the co-chair of their Retirement Plan Advisory Council, and I'm only saying that because it means I actually do a lot of these things. I mean, at 75 um, that's, that's well more than the average advisor. In fact, only 5% of advisors, less than 5% of advisors inside of Satera have more than five plans. Most of them have less than yeah. five plans. And so it is a specialty. And so it, it, it takes, it takes a little bit different of an approach than to an individual client. So, I will say that, you know, one of the things to piggyback on that is just because a financial advisor is your golf buddy and might do a good job at your own individual investments, mm-hmm. you know, so we're not discrediting that. Right, 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 right. Not but the fo- what Andy's saying is the 401k, it's just different. The it's 401k different. is different. You're picking a fund lineup. you got to go talk to a group of employees. Different record keepers have different processes. It's not like setting up a SEP or an IRA, Yeah. you know, and that's what I also tell clients too, you know, you want to make sure your financial advisor has knowledge of 401k plans, it might not be their thing. And yeah. that's okay. I talked to one the other day that was like, we don't do this. Yeah. You know, I don't yeah. want to do it. And I think that's very admirable if somebody says, Admit it. no, yeah. I don't want to do it. It's just like with us, I don't want to do non-qualified plans. Yeah, right. My brain is about to explode with all these rules that I have right now. So let me just partner with somebody that I trust. That's yeah. if you If you really care about your client, you're going to do what's in the best interest of your client and not try to bite off more than you can chew. And so I yeah. do think that I appreciate the advisors that say, I'm not interested in this, Melissa. This is not something that we want to do. And then the other thing is, and I'll never forget this when that DOL investigator talked to a group of advisors um, at a restaurant one time. And he said, guys, the Department of Labor, they don't give a shit if that's your brother. 
Yeah. They don't care. That's right. They That's don't right. care. You know, you are held to the same standard no matter what your relationship is, yep. you know, with the client. And, and actually in that particular luncheon, I don't know if you were in that one, but I probably had about four financial advisors that looked at me and they were like, uh, I don't know if we're going to do this anymore, <laughs> Melissa. You know, but I mean, I really do. I'm like, it's really yeah. serious. And then, you know, you also have the ones like you guys have a process. Mm-hmm. We do. And you have the ones that are trying to create a process and they already have a good bit of business, you know, but I do, I do caution it, it. Like nobody would ever want to hire me to do their tax return. Yeah, right. I'd be right. like, I'm going to take Hundred percent deduction. <laughs> you know, so I think that's 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 one thing that you, if you're looking for a financial advisor, you do want to look at their resume, for lack of better mm-hmm. words. You know, what are they? What what is their experience? So, Maggie, yeah. do you have anything to add? Well, I can just uh, speak to the value that financial advisors bring to a plan because coming from another employer, who I guess it was some sort of bundled product. Didn't know my who my advisor was. Never met with them. Kind of just said it and forget it. Put my head in the sand, as you said. Um, and it's it's valuable when advisors come in and educate the employees. Like I don't know if all of the employees at Baldwin Link here know how valuable that is, but they'll but, figure out eventually. Well, yeah, they will. I, yeah, and I, I kind of you know to your point earlier about the golf buddy, whatever you know, there's nothing wrong with that necessarily, but but. When you're engaged with an individual, you're engaged with an individual. Yes. Inside of a retirement plan, I always think of myself as having two clients there. One is the plan sponsor, the business owner. The other one is really not just one person. It's the whole employee base, right? they're all essentially paying you a fee. They're paying me a, mm-hmm. a, a, some sort of compensation to be on the plan. And so, and then to, to Maggie, to your point um, of, you know, you never met your advisor, it's it's difficult to get in front of everybody, particularly we've got some plans where they have a person in every state of the United States of America, and I'm not going to be able to see them because they're not all coming to one spot at one right. time. But it is a little bit of you can you know lead a horse to water, but you can't make them drink sure. in that we're going to go out to, to as many plans as we can or Zoom or Teams or whatever. It's as many as we can. Um, but it doesn't mean that everybody's going to show up. Mm-hmm. In other words, they'll find a reason not to, right? To not come to the 401k meeting because it is riveting as it sounds. Uh, they're just, they're just going to find another reason that, Oh, I've got an advisor. He's taking care of me. Well, he may be, but he may not necessarily be looking at your 401k right. statement or it might be, but that, that either way, you know, you might learn something. And so I always kind of look at it as if I can pick up one nugget from attending this then that was time well spent. Yeah, knowledge so, is power, people. That's right. Knowledge is power. But um, but yeah, we, we do have a process. I think the process helps people understand we're serious about retirement plans, and we we are very experienced in understanding what's important to most plan sponsors in that regard. Uh, Bill and I both did, talking about non-qualified plans, we both did some uh, a special designation for non-qualified uh, uh, non-qualified plan advisors, what is called NQPA, and um, and and you know to that to that level, it, that is just uh, getting educated so we can help solve issues or opportunities that plan sponsors have. They want to reward this certain group of uh, 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 workers or executives. Well, you can't really necessarily do that with a 401k plan, but you can do it with some non-qualified stuff because you can discriminate. Mm-hmm. And so it doesn't go through uh, ERISA rules and all that. And so it, it's got its own little functionality, which is good. 
Yeah. So I think, you know, that just kind of is an overview of what you guys do, why it's important to have somebody like Andy on your plan. Sure. And probably just in your life in general. (laughs) Um, Any parting thoughts, Andy? Yeah, I will say this. Thank you for asking. Um, I feel like I'm the best listener at this podcast. (laughs) This is the most I listen. Go ahead. That's good. Uh, I think, you know, when it comes to, to saving for retirement, I tell people everybody has a balance between living in the here and now and saving for later, right? Um, because life is about fulfillment. You don't know when the last grain of sand is going through the hourglass. For some, I've experienced recently, some people that are my peers have that last grain of sand has gone through their hourglass. They're not, no longer with us. And I think, golly, they're my age. If I look back at my life, had I had a fulfilling life based on my relationships, you know, I've got two kids and they're great. I've got an awesome wife and she's great. You know, did I actually enjoy my life? Did it strip away the financial side? And, uh, and yeah, I did. I, we, we made experiences and I think that's important to do is to make experiences. You can't do that and jeopardize your future just as much as you can't jeopardize the here and now so that you're saving for the future because you don't know if you're going to still be breathing at 70 or 80 or 85 or whatever you might be. But if you are, do you have enough, you know, wherewithal to pay the light bill and the food on the table and those kinds of things. And so there's a delicate balance for everybody, but your life is, you only get one shot. Yeah. You know, you only have one run at it and make it fulfilling. Sometimes that takes money. Sometimes it doesn't. And sometimes it's just having great relationships. Well, I think it always has great relationships. Yes, that does make life a little bit more fun yeah, yeah, and yeah. fulfilling. All right, Andy, so how can people get in touch with you? Well, thanks for asking. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, people, I, I mean, it's like I'm a professional. You really are. Just, you really are. Uh, people can reach me at uh, my email address is abush at horizonfg.com. That's horizonf g as in horizon financial group.com uh or um 225-612-3820 also i will add any of you that are out there that want to know uh my brother bill and i do have a podcast called inside the plan with the 401k brothers and uh and what we do there is we answer common questions we've gotten in group meetings from participants Uh, Not all of them are that way because Melissa was a guest on ours before when the CARES Act was rolling Mm -hmm. out. And so we talked, that was a, that was a bit of uh, a lot of uncertainty at that time. And people were trying to uh, balance, you know, juggling their workforce and how they were going to work with what are these new features of of plans in the CARES Act. And so um, you did a great job, by the way. Thanks. And so, it's y'all, winging it. yeah, that's right. Well, you're, you're a natural. <laughs> um, but yeah, you can definitely, uh, you know, find different topics. We've been doing it for, uh, I guess, almost four years. Mm-hmm. And so I think we've got almost 60 episodes that are out there of different topics. What's a target date fund? Should I do Roth or traditional? You know, uh, what's the, what's the emotional side of retirement? Uh, are, are some of the ones that we've done. So, Yeah, awesome. And, I mean, if you just go to your website, y'all's website's pretty fabulous, too. Oh, yeah. I yeah, should have mentioned that. Great website. Yeah, see? I mean, I must yeah. always be Bill. That's horizonfg.com. Um, so, and again, Melissa and Maggie, and we are at choosesentinel.com. 
Uh, we are a division of Falk and Winkler and happy to have everyone, everyone here today. Going to our website is the easiest way to get in touch with us as well. Um, anything else, Maggie, that I'm leaving off? I think that covers it. Well, you know, we just knocked it out of the park, Andy. Yeah, we did. Go it was us. fun. It was awesome. <laughs> All right, everyone. Hope everybody has a good week. Thanks. Thanks.